0: Well, good morning. If you take your Bible and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 11, I'm going to get there in just a minute. And then I'm going to get into 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. So, Proverbs chapter 11 first. It's great to be here this weekend. This has been my first time to be back since Easter. Uh, last weekend, I was in Quito, Ecuador, and uh, where I have, the uh, last couple of years, been going twice a year and uh, doing leadership training with John Maxwell's organization. Uh, to raise up a million leaders in South America who are church leaders who can—we're uh, teaching them leadership. And so uh, there's hundreds of people that will show up on a weekend and for a weekend conference, and we'll teach them leadership, and then they in turn will go back and teach 10 to 15—excuse me, 10 to 25 people uh, in small group settings this leader, these leadership principles, and we're kind of helping train the, uh, the local church there in the country of Ecuador— and so it's a pretty cool deal. Um, I go with a business person here in the church, Telvin Jeffries. Telvin and I travel together. And uh, it's always a great time. And we're kind of your hands extended. And when I'm gone, I'm always thinking, OK, it's about 930. They're doing this at Life Church about now, and this and that. And so it's, uh, uh, I miss being here, but it's a great opportunity to be able to serve in that capacity. And Easter weekend, wow, what a weekend. We had 935 people on campus. Almost 30 people gave their life to Christ that weekend. And it's just amazing to see what God's doing uh, in and through you and your lives and what God's doing in this community through Life Church. So I applaud you and uh, just keep it up and keep up the great, the great work that you're doing. And I know it's raining outside, May, April showers, spring, May flowers, so just remember that, okay? And, but isn't it nice to see green grass? Isn't it nice to see trees budding? All these daffodils that Tammy has in the backyard, they all like popped on, uh, on uh, Friday. 80 degrees. Wow. Thank God. Anyhow, so uh, it's good to be back, and we're continuing our series on uh, the network. And uh, last week, Pastor Elisha spoke on uh, friendship and, and having a best friend and the power of encouragement uh, that that person can bring into your life, and did a great job. And uh, even though I don't know what the vest and the red little thing's all about... Give him a hard time for me about that, would you today? Please? Good. Okay. And uh, so, uh, but he, no, he's a great communicator. God's blessed him. And, and, but I think he's looking for a best friend, AKA a wife. So if we could help him, I think he needs help. I see hands. Okay, thank you. See me after the service. We can make that happen. A match made in heaven. That's our dating service here at Life Church. I'm just teasing. But he did a great job on this series. We started Easter weekend with the Savior. And this weekend, we're going to talk about Yoda. Now, I know that uh, for those of you that know a lot about popular culture, you were a kid in the 80s and older, you kind of got this whole thing. But for those of you that may be pre-80s, Yoda was the uh, revered Jedi Master who lived 900 years and and eked out his last days on on the basically isolated planet of Dagobah in a swamp type place, and where he trains young Luke Skywalker, the young Jedi that will actually take over the dark side and will win for the for for, for the Force. And uh, he trained Jedi Masters for eight centuries, and his most famous pupils were Obi Wan Kenobi and the infamous Luke Skywalker, that I wanted to be when I was a child, and still have dreams of being. Don't shatter those dreams. Thank you. And uh, but Yoda is this popular cultural. Individual who um, basically kind of this pop culture uh, icon for mentorship in a, in a kind of a strange way. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today is about finding a mentor or a life coach in your life. So let's look at, at Proverbs chapter 11, uh, verse number 14, just so you don't think I'm taking this out of context and out of, the, out of uh, scriptural precedence. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11 verse number 14 where there is no guidance a nation falls but in an abundance of counselors there is safety where there is no guidance a nation falls but where there's an abundance of counselors there is safety so that's kind of a key text for us and if you want to go ahead and turn over to first Thessalonians chapter 2 I'm going to be there in just a minute first Thessalonians chapter 2 I have always, my entire life, I've always been an inquisitive individual. As a kid, I've always asked a gazillion questions, talked a million miles an hour, and I've always, my brain is always working. And I've always been uh, that type of, of kid because I always figured I could learn or benefit from somebody else's successes or their failures. And I'm the kind of person, even as a pastor and as a leader, um, you know, I'll, I'll get on a plane again this week and go to a coaching network that I'm a part of. It's an eight-month deal with a guy from, from Manhattan, New York, who's pastoring a great church. He was part of Rick Warren's church on the West Coast. And, and, and I'll sit there with Nelson and about 12 other guys, 18 other guys, and just kind of hash out what's happening in the church world and what's going on and how do we make things better and how do we reach more people for Christ. And I will just... just Question, 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 question. I, it's one of my natures. I, I will call leaders up and say, hey, can I have an hour of your time? I'll buy an hour of your time if I need to. And I'll bring a legal pad. And all I will do is I'll buy their meal. I don't eat. I know that's a big thing. And I'll just ask questions. Because here's what I figured. If I can figure out how you think, then I know what you're going to do. I don't have to look like you. I don't have to talk like you. I don't have to be you. But if I can understand how the wheels turn in your mind, if I can understand how things work, in your head, then I can figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And it helps me understand how you got to where you are. And I also get the benefit of learning from your successes and also your failures. And I mean, as a kid, I was this way. I remember saving up um, money for a football. It was, I know you don't like this, but I was a huge Walter Payton fan as a kid. And uh, you got to at least give him props. I don't like the Bears, but I love Walter Payton. Sorry. And, uh, and so I went to service merchandise. You remember service merchandise? where you got the ticket and you went and you, you got to look at the catalog and what you wanted. And then you got the ticket and you would give the ticket to the person, to the clerk. And then mysteriously, there was like this conveyor belt that came out of nowhere. And it would, the item would come right down and right there would be the box and be the item. And ta-da, ta-da. And I remember saving for this Walter Payton autograph. It wasn't really autograph, but it, I was in the second grade. And... Um, Football. I didn't cut lines and that kind of a deal. It was genuine leather because it said so. NFL approved because it had the logo on it. Right? Tape on both ends. Nice. Real. Okay. And I remember getting that football. And as soon as I got it, I put it in my backpack. I rode my BMX bike across my neighborhood to my buddy Chris Carter's house. Now, Chris Carter uh, was the kid that when we played pickup football in the schoolyard, he was always the all-time quarterback. A, I think he was a little bit of a pretty boy. But, but, but which means he didn't want to get hurt or hit, and, and B, he had this phenomenal arm. I mean, he could just like chunk the ball. He was amazing, and, and he went on to play. He was a high school quarterback, and then went on to play college, and I remember going to Chris's house, okay, I got this football. It's perfect. This Walter Payton, wow, show me how to throw a perfect spiral, because I was on this quest to take over his position, little did he know. And I wanted to throw this perfect spiral. Uh, Fast forward a few years, and I totally got into freestyle BMX bikes. Again, if you're not a kid of the 80s or later, you probably don't know a whole lot, but guys like Bob Haro and and Eddie Federo and all these guys that rode for GT and Skyway and all these guys, and I bought this 4130 chromoly with Shimano freewheel crank system, compi brakes, and Skyway Tough Wheel 2s, not ones, because the ones would break, but Tough Wheel 2 mag wheels with a peg. Eggs and the whole deal. And I remember going to my buddy John Bremer, who had a Bob Harrow specialized edition. It was white with uh, all these cool West Coast colors, and uh, said, "Can you help me mod out this bike and just put it all together?" I was always asking questions. I remember uh, um, my best friend Darren, and we were at my house, and we were we were I was getting ready to ask out the first girl on the first official date, and and it was one of those rotary phones. You remember that the. You know, the whole rotary thing. My my mom actually still has that phone and actually uses it. And uh, I know. And she just got a cell phone at Christmas. But anyhow, and my daughters were like, What is this? And I said, It's a phone. No, it's not. (laughs) A phone has buttons. What is that? It's called a rotary dial. Yeah, sure, Dad. Whatever. So kind of like send it to the Smithsonian. But anyhow, and I remember, you know, you would call the number and wait and all that kind of stuff and remember and then all of a sudden hello and it was the girl's dad's vo- you know it was a dad and you were like click I'm, I'm hanging up man I'm freaked <laughs> out by this and him coaching me through it I always ask questions and the older I got the more questions I seem to ask and and one thing though that I noticed as an adult is that the advice doesn't come quite as easily or as free as an adult as it did back in elementary And people don't really want to answer as many questions, and they're not quite as open, and they're not quite as vulnerable, and they're not quite as willing to to, to kind of open their world up to you and to help you understand whatever it is that you need to understand. And there are people out there. I know this is going to surprise many of you. This is not your notes, and this is totally for free, but they don't have your best interest. I know. Meaning, mean, it's a bad, bad world out there. And I mean, they don't have your best interest. And so they'll give you advice that's not correct for your demise and for your downfall. And they want to kind of shadow what they have. And so as an adult, when I began to find out that people were not as quite as easy to give advice and the advice wasn't quite as accurate and, and a lot of people had all these different issues, I began to look for a Yoda. It's in your notes. A Yoda is... Um, it's a life coach, it's a mentor, it's a teacher, it's a guide. It's someone that's there to help you uh, as a life coach, to kind of help you coach yourself through life and through living, through the ups and downs, the ins and outs, whether it's personal or professional or spiritual. Or it's a mentor, someone that's going to mentor you and going to teach you and take you alongside. Or it's a teacher that's going to sit down for a period of your life or a specific area of your life and going to teach you something. Or it's a guide that's going to walk you through and these relationships are, are very hard to find. Uh, I, I, this is the number three of the fourth most critical relationships of the four critical relationships I think everybody should have in their network, in their life, because they're essential. And we see these all throughout Scripture. Leonard Sweet wrote a book on relationships, and he said this about, he actually called it a Yoda. It's in your notes. A Yoda's function is to guide and guard us into a dynamic relationship with God to help us grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and help us live in a daily relationship with the divine. That's a great statement. And for that reason only, and as well as for many other, I would say we all need a Yoda or Yodas in life. We all need someone that is willing to walk alongside us and help us and guide us and teach us and mentor us, whether it's a personal issue that we're going through, whether it's a personal struggle that we're trying to navigate through, whether it's domestic or family issue that we're going through, whether it's professional uh, uh, issue or situation we're trying to navigate through. Um, You know, there's some of you guys in this room, you're young businessmen, and you would be very wise to seek the counsel of other older businessmen and women in this room Because they've navigated through some of the pressures and the ups and the downs that you feel in the business world. They've navigated on what do you do when you're caught in a situation where everybody's just going to go to a bar and a drink and you're there to be their host. What do you do when you sit down and it's cocktail hour and you're in a mixer? And how do you handle that in a God-honoring way? How do you handle when everybody's going to live life in less than a God-honoring way? And how do you navigate that? Uh, How do you deal with that? Those are things that we don't really talk a whole lot about, but really we should because as adults, I think peer pressure is more rampant as an adult than it ever was as a high school kid. Because now we've got a mortgage on the line. Now we've got our careers on the line. Now we have social pressures on the line. It's more than just wow, is Sally gonna like me or not? Wow, am I gonna make the team or not? Or the guy's gonna razz me this week or not? You know, it's it's am I gonna be in with the in crowd or the out crowd? It's it's about my life, and I got kids, and I've got a spouse, and I've got all these things riding on this, and all these pressures, and all these voices, and all these things that are coming at me. So when I talk about a mentor or a guide, professionally, that's a great thing that we need. And even spiritually, there are times where we all go through desert seasons. You know, Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a season, a time for everything. And there are times where we go through difficult times in our spiritual life. And we need a Yoda. We need a mentor or a coach or a guide or a teacher that will help us take our hand and walk through it with us. Now, Let's look at the, Second, excuse me, First Thessalonians, chapter number two, and uh, it gives us this um, relationship. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing this book uh, to the church in Thessalonica. And uh, But he's also writing it to Timothy because he's left Timothy behind in his second missionary journey in order for Timothy to lead this church. Paul was on these missionary journeys where he's planting all of these churches. So he's leaving these young protégés. We're going to talk about that next week, about how we should all be mentoring someone and having protégés in our life. But he's leaving this young protégé, Timothy, here to, to pastor in this church. And he had other protégés, he had other people he was mentoring, like Titus and John Mark, who he got off on the first missionary journey and was given grace to get back on the second missionary journey. And and Paul was was not the easiest mentor, the easiest Yoda in the world. But we see this relationship. And again, this is not a new thing. We see it in the Old Testament with people like Moses and Joshua. Uh, We see it... um, we see it with uh, in, even in the New Testament where Jesus and, and the 12 disciples, and even, even from the 12, there were the three, uh, the, 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 you know, the, 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 the beloved, the, the inner circle that Jesus had that he poured himself into because they were going to be the ones that were actually going to actively take a leading role in the New Testament church. But we see Paul coming alongside these young pastors and these young leaders and saying, let me help you because I've made some mistakes I've got some cuts and some burns and some bruises and some marks. My body, he actually says, bears the mark of this gospel. And I'll help you navigate through some, some difficult and treacherous areas in life and help you and help you basically be a yoda to you and help you be a guide. Here's what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter number two, verse number 4 through verse 12, it says this. But just as we have been approved by God, Paul speaking of himself, to be entrusted with the message of the gospel. Even so, we speak not to please mortals or to please man, but to please God, who tests our heart. Verse number five: As you know, and as God is our witness, we never came to you with words of flattery or with the pretext of greed. Nor do we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others. Though we might have made demands as a, though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ, we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you have become very dear to us. Verse number nine. You remember our labor and our toil, brothers and sisters. We work night and day so that we may not be a burden on any of you while we proclaim the gospel of God. You were witnesses, and God also, of how pure and upright and blameless our conduct was towards believers. As you know, we dealt with each one of you like a father with his children, urging and encouraging you, and pleading that you lead a life worthy of God who calls you on to his kingdom and his glory. Now, Paul, in this passage of Scripture, we're just gonna kind of walk through this exposition of Scripture here for the next few moments. Paul, he, he basically gives, in this passage, he gives um, what I would say would be characteristics or qualities of what to look for in a Yoda, of what you should look for. And again, I'm going to end today talking about the, the Yodas, if you would, in my own life, And because I believe in this. I believe heavily in this. Uh, I, I believe that, uh, that we have a responsibility to pass on to the next generation the information that we have and the wisdom that we have. I also believe that, that we as a younger generation should be looking for people that are older or more seasoned or wiser than us to learn from. And, uh, and so let, let, let me say that right from the very beginning. I don't think that my generation's done a very good job of honoring the generation before us. I think we've been real easy to be armchair quarterbacks and critics of what the church and the people before us had done wrong. And criticisms are easy. Anybody can get, be a critic. All you have to have to be a critic is an opinion. And you don't even have to have a good one. Amen. That's true. It's just what it is. And so I think sometimes we, as a younger generation, want to unfairly criticize a previous generation. And I think sometimes we just want to discard it and we want to say, well, it just doesn't work or it just doesn't fit. And I don't think that A, is not, it doesn't hold any theological water. And B, I think we're missing out on something. Because here's what I find with many of us in this room. We just kind of do our own thing, and we don't want to ask for help or ask for advice. And go ahead, be stupid if you want to. You can get a T-shirt and say, I'm stupid. It's okay. It's your life. Do it the way you want to. But you can't have the benefit of someone else's mistakes, and you can't have the benefit of seeing what's happened. And there is something that's very true. History does repeat itself over and over and over again. Or you can stop, take a time out, Take these next few moments, and instead of thinking about what you're going to watch on TV this afternoon, or where you got to do this next week, or who you've got to meet, or write your grocery list down, or 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 what all you've got to do to get your golf gear ready for the springtime, regrip the clubs, clean the club head, what, I got to buy any more balls. Uh, instead of doing that, you can just kind of evaluate your own self and go, who would be, or who are the individuals that would be people that could help me speak into my life to be what God's called me to be. Because that's what it's all about. So Paul says the first quality or characteristic is godliness, verse number four. He said, when we came to you, we were approved by God that we walked in godliness. Above all else, just because you're godly doesn't mean you're successful. But without true godliness, you'll never be successful. Because ultimately, the Bible says that God holds the kingdoms of this world in his hands. And that he allows those that he wants to be in power and position, he allows them to that place. And those that he does not, he brings them out. God. Proverbs 1.7 says that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. That word all in the original language means Everything. Everything's going to be all right. Everything, that's what he's talking about, is at the beginning of that. That you, that God, is at the core of that. And so the first thing you want to find when you're looking for a mentor, you're looking for a Yoda in your life, is you want to find someone who is godly. You want to find someone who has what I would call, and what Jesus calls, the aroma of Christ. That you see them, you see you, you see in them. It's more than just lip service. It's more than just dressing right. It's more than just conducting themselves right. But you see a godly character. You see a godly attitude. You see restraint in their life. You see discipline in their life. You see purpose in their life. You see a life that's not just begun in Christ, but has some maturity to it, some maturation to it, that's kind of been through some things, through some ups and through some downs, that's seasoned that's tested, and that in those testings and through that season, they have been found faithful. Godliness. Men and women of God. The second thing he tells us in verse 5 and verse 6 is that we need to find people with humility. With humility in life. Now, this is watching out for people who have pride and self-seeking ambition. Uh, Humility is a word that we don't use a lot um, and basically uh, synonyms from scripture would be meekness or gentleness, which would mean power under control. I have the ability to power up. I have the ability to, to pound my fists on the desk and demand my way. I have the power or the position to do what I want to do, yet I choose to power down and to be humble. I'm done wrong, but yet instead of just returning insult for insult, which is what everybody that doesn't have a brain does, I'm going to choose to engage my brain, and I'm going to pull it back and just let it go. I'm going to let it just roll off my back. I'm going to just let it go on by. I'm going to give people grace. I'm going to give people uh, a get-out-of-jail-free card. I'm going to just walk with humility in my life, and I'm going to walk with a certain reservedness and quietness, And a certain amount of just power under control. Now, this is a hard thing to find in church. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about God and people and church. But sometimes we as Christ followers, if you're not a Christ follower, I'm not talking about you. But we as Christ followers can be some of the most arrogant people on the planet. I think it's because we feel like we have found the truth. And I believe that we have. And that's in Jesus Christ. But we're not to have the truth in order to power up on people and to point everybody else and all their faults and their failures. We're here to walk with humility and to love people and just to serve people. We're here that even inside the four walls of this church that we deal with each other with humility and we give each other the grace that needs to be given to one another. Sometimes I see humility better outside of the four walls of the church and people that I have that are friendships in the community are sometimes more gracious and humble and kind towards me as a Christ follower than I find people inside the four walls of the church. I don't know why that is. But I would say, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we need to evaluate and interrogate and and disintegrate any amount of of pride and self-seeking ambition. Oh, but I'm right, brother. Great, I'm really glad that you're right, but can you tone it down? But I found the, great, (laughs) you're the master of your universe, he-man. Just bring it down a couple of notches because this world and we as individuals need to deal with each other with kindness and humility. So this is not the easiest trait to find, but it's, it's, it's there. And there are examples, and, and there are people in, in our church that walk with such grace and, what's, and, what's, and with such humility. Make sure, because the reality is, you go, well, why is, it so, why is it so important to find humility? Man, I'm humble, but I can learn from someone who's not. Well, sure, technically you can learn from someone who's not, but here's the reality. The reality is this is that when you are looking for someone to coach you and guide you and train you and mentor you, when you're looking for a Yoda, you're going to become like them. And it's very subtle. It's how someone treats a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant. I see this all the time. Do you treat them like a person or do you treat them like a servant? What's very interesting to me is that I will be with people, and I will see those people, high-powered, high-capacity individuals, be treated like a servant. And how they respond in that moment gives me a telltale sign of really where their heart is. If someone orders them to do something and they just simply go, okay, no problem. I'll get the glass of water. I'll do that. There's humility. They don't think that they're too big for their britches, as my grandmother would say. Find people that walk with humility. Find people that treat other people with dignity and with respect. Paul goes on to say that you need to find someone, verse 7 and verse 8, who's relationally transparent. Relationally transparent. Paul says that we treated you like a mother would tend or a nurse would tend to her young with all gentleness and with concern and that we dearly loved you. If someone's really going to help you, if someone's really going to speak into your life, if someone's really going to be a Yoda, they've got to really genuinely care about you, and not everybody does. Let's rewind that one. What did he just say? You've got to find someone who genuinely, relationally cares about you, and not everybody does, nor will they. Welcome to the planet. Because the reality is not everybody has your best interest. The reality is is that you want to know who your friends really are? It's not when you're down and out are they going to help you. It's when you are making more money than they are. When you bought the bigger house than they bought. When you got a better car or a better better deal or your kids made it to a better school or you've you've climbed a higher level. How people treat you at the top, that really will tell you where your friends are. Because I'm telling you, when we were running 100 people and we were this small storefront, just humble group of people just praying to get through, there were a lot of people. Oh, Aaron, brother, Uh, don't brother me. I have people using brother more than Hulk Hogan does. Brother, brother, brother praying for you. God bless you. What a wonderful work you're doing. And then as we began to grow, wow, God must really be at work. And then it began to get as big as theirs. Wow. Well, you must really be doing some transfer growth. That's AKA you're really not growing preacher and wow. And then it gets bigger and it eclipses their growth. And all of a sudden there's something that I'm doing wrong. I'll never forget playing golf with a pastor and him saying that I'd watered down the gospel, and he didn't know that I knew that he had said that. So about the seventh tea, I looked at him and said, Hey, got a question. First of all, he was beating me by a couple of strokes, so I thought I'd get in his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what you said about me. Did you say that? I told the person there's no way. You want to know who people that really respect you and really love you and really have your best interest? When you Eclipse their success in life, they still celebrate you and they don't tolerate you, that's someone that can pour themselves into you. And when Paul says, we, Paul had Timothy's best wishes at hand. He wanted Timothy's success to be greater than his own. He says, I imparted everything like a mother would to a child to you. In order to have a successful relationship, they are successful. You gotta have someone that's relationally transparent, that will show you their their faults and their failures. Because not everybody will do this. And, and a lot of, most people aren't secure enough to really open themselves up to really mentor you and to say, I made a mistake here and I did this wrong and I said this wrong and let me help you with this and let me be open and vulnerable. Because vulnerability is the name of the game when you're talking about mentorship. Because you as a protege are going to have to be vulnerable to someone else and you're going to have to open your life and you're going to have to lay it all bare before someone to see and to speak into your life. And as a mentor, you're going to have to do the exact same thing. See, the mentors that are in my life, I could pick up the phone and call them in, in midnight. And I'm not going to disturb them. I could call them and say, I need to see you now. And they will clear their calendar. I can call them while they're in a foreign country. And even at $2 a minute, they'll take my phone call and I will take theirs. Because it's this Paul-Timothy relationship. It's just relational transparency. It's this openness to say, I want your success and I want your best. The next thing he tells us in verses 9 and 10 is that it works with integrity, that you should find a Yoda who has integrity. And what are we talking about? We're talking about character. They have something to build on. They have something to live on. They walk with character. They walk with integrity, that they're a person of their word, that their reputation is sterling, that there's someone who, when they say something, it comes to pass and it follows through, that they're, that they're proven, that there's a maturity, that there's, that there's something to build upon. And in the last six to nine months, actually even the last 12 months, we have seen the lack of integrity in our country and what it can do. And we've seen stocks go up, and we've seen stocks plummet. We've seen things go skyrocket. We've seen them come down. We've seen house prices over the last 10, 15 years be unprecedentedly high, and then we've seen it all completely crash and go down. And we've seen the downside to people that don't operate with integrity and how the hurt and the pain and somewhat the, the destruction that can be left. And when you find someone that's going to be a mentor, be very careful because you're going to open your life to them and you're going to be vulnerable to them and you're going to to be susceptible to them. And make sure that you have someone that walks with integrity, that has your best interest, that that cares about you, that they've walked it out and that they've proven it to you, that they're a proven individual. The last thing in verse 11 and 12, he says, find someone who is honest, who deals with honesty. 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 This is a rare find. This is where somebody will actually tell you the truth about you, to your face. I don't know why this is so hard, but this is hard for people. To be able to look at you and say, here's your issue, here's your problem, here's what's going on, here's the thing that's happening, here's what's happening in your life, and to ask you tough questions. Do you have people that ask you tough questions? Really? Do you have people that look at you and say, Hey, businessman, you've been traveling a lot. What are you watching in your hotel room? When you're there and you're traveling internationally and nobody knows who you are and the pornography on the newsstands is rampant and easy to get access to, are you looking at it? Are you finding lust in your heart? Are you acting upon that? What about your mouth, and what about the things that you're saying, and what about the words of your mouth and your attitudes and your actions? What about your business and how you handle things? What about how you're treating your wife and your faithfulness to her, or your faithfulness to your husband, or what about your kids, or what about this, or what about that? When was the last time that you were in the presence of God that it so moved you that it softened your heart? When was the last time you had prayer? And I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep or or good food, good eat, thank the Lord, let's eat. I'm talking about really having a time with God. Tell me the last scripture verse you memorized. Recite it for me. Are there people that look you square in the eye and that call you on the carpet? You better hope to God there are. You better have people in your life and don't point to your spouse because they can't hold you accountable the way an outside person who is a friend who operates with godliness and humility and relational transparency and integrity and honestly will ask you the tough questions in life because we all need that. I need that. I have men in my life who have the ability to check my computer at any time and any place to see where I've been going on the internet. I have men in my life who will look at me and ask me tough questions. I don't travel alone. Very rarely am I ever alone. And if I am, it's just simply because I'm going from flying from Milwaukee to wherever and I'm meeting with someone for a conference. My staff very rarely travels alone because there is this, we want to keep this accountability. We want to keep this honesty with each other. And I have the ability to speak in their life and they have the ability to speak into my life. And I'm talking more than just the, the board and the staff. But there are people in my life who will look at me that I've invited Because accountability is an upward. You have to invite someone to to make yourself accountable to. People are not going to cross the line and call you out for your sin very rarely. Very rarely. And this happened very rarely in Scripture. But when you invite a counselor, a Yoda, a mentor, a coach to step into your life, because we all need accountability, not just the pastor of the church. You as a businessman need accountability because quite frankly, sir, you touch more people's lives than I'll touch all year long. They're lost and undone without Christ. You, ma'am, will interact with more people in the community than I will be able to because unfortunately, I live in this little Christian bubble called the church and I deal with a lot of Christians... You have got to walk with integrity and with character. You will win and touch more people's lives for the gospel. You will affect more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will take this, this good news of this hope of this glory of Jesus Christ around the world. And if you walk with character and if you walk with integrity and if you do that, then God's name will be praised and people will come to, to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ because of you. But that will only happen if you are honest with yourself and there are people that will be honest with you. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Woo. In my life, let's just talk about me, because that may be easier to talk about than just talk about you. In my life, I developed this a long time ago, and I continue to keep this. And I have what I call a board of directors for Aaron Cole, not for Aaron Cole World Outreach Ministries, but for Aaron Cole. That's a joke. For Aaron Cole. Somebody's going, he has a World Outreach Ministry? Yeah, I've got a Learjet down at the hangar at the Milwaukee Michelin National. It's pretty nice. You paid for it. Now, I'm just teasing. (laughs) Wow, you people are asleep this morning. But I have people that I have invited to mentor, to coach, to guide, and to help me because I know, I can tell you, There is no gross sin or immorality in my life, but I'm human. And I don't ever want to do anything that would bring reproach upon you or upon the gospel in this community or anywhere. One, I have three life goals, and one of my life goals is that I want to get through this life without an asterisk by my name. You know, you see someone's name in some record book, but there's an asterisk, which means... Yeah, you know, they were doing something they weren't supposed to. There's some exception to the rule. He was great except for this point in his life. He, he was a good dad except for these years. He was a good faithful husband except for this one occasion, the asterisk. I don't want any asterisks in life. I want to be able to run the race and stand before God and honor the calling that he's called me to and honor the wife of my youth and honor my children And honor this godly heritage that God's passed on to me. And the only way I know how to do that is by accountability. By having people that will speak truth into my life. So I have, for my life, I've had a pastor that basically is a counsel. Because although I enjoy speaking to you, I get very little spiritual nutrition from this activity. Because it's me. And so I have a pastor that's in my life. And for the last many number of years, my pastor was an individual that uh, was someone that spoke into my life and, and, and did that. But because of some actions this past year, he disqualified himself. He kind of put an asterisk by his name. And what was interesting is that God in his divine wisdom and sovereignty brought another pastor into my life a few years back, Randy Valamont. That when this began to happen, he went right into that position for me. Because he's a guy that asks me tough questions. Really tough questions. He's the guy that talks to me about my marriage and about my kids and about being a dad and a pastor. He's the guy that calls me and asks me if I'm taking my day off. He's the guy that challenges me when I move too close to the church that I might want to move further away. He's the guy who gets into my grill about how I'm doing and how I'm dealing with. He's the guy that asks me how much I'm giving to missions to make sure that I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do. And he's there because I've invited him to be there. I've had a pastor. I have a a coach that whatever season of life that I'm in, I have someone that I am learning from that I want them to coach and to speak into my life and to help me, somebody in the skybox and somebody on the field. And so the coach in my last several years of my life when I began, that God began to speak to my heart about planting a church, was a relationship with a guy by the name of Neil. And Neil was someone who came into my life and who helped me because he had planted successful other churches. And he had been at the top of his game and, 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 and did a great job. And so Neil was a guy who came in and helped me to consult with me, to help me to say, hey, you might want to ease up on this issue. What about this on the staffing issue? How are you doing with your board relationships? How are you doing with the staff relationships? What's happening here? Let's look at the financial budget. Let's make sure that you're... you're and again, we have an elder board, and there are wonderful men and women that serve this church with distinction and with honor. And I've completely submitted to them. And we have a staff that I serve with, and I submit myself under to. But beyond that, for me, I need someone who helps me not cut the corners or shave the edges. And I don't do that, but I don't ever want to do that. I have what I call an elder in my life, someone who has lived a lifetime longer than I. And, and, and this, for many, many years for me, has been Armin Newburn. He was a district superintendent of the Assemblies of God, which is the fellowship that we're associated with, but in the state of Oklahoma, and he's now retired. I talk with Brother Newburn on somewhat of a regular basis, and last month I actually flew to the city he lives in, in Oklahoma, just to spend the day with him. Because I needed to sit on his couch, and I needed that man to look into my eyes and ask me some tough questions. And I needed him to lay hands on me and pray for me. And I needed some wisdom and some knowledge, and I wanted the impartation the way an Elisha did to Elijah to lay hands upon me. And, oh, God, help me to run this race without an asterisk the way he has, to love my wife the way he has, to serve the church the way he has, to finish the race the way he has, and to stick, just to stick it out and to have grit and integrity. And so on a regular basis, I meet with him, and I completely submit myself, and I ask him to ask me the tough questions, things I didn't want to talk about, attitudes that I had with people that I didn't want to discuss with anybody. And he looked at me, and he called me on it and told me, young man, if you don't, this is going to happen. We need that. We need someone like a football coach that I had that would grab you by the face mask and with very short and explicit terms would tell you exactly what he wanted you to do. And when he was done with you, you knew exactly what you better produce on the next play. There was no questions. Who does that in your life? And the last person in my world is my dad. Because we all need a father. Father. And I know some of you in this room, your father's gone on, and some of you in this room, your earthly father is not someone that would be this in your life. So maybe you have a spiritual father or a surrogate individual that kind of takes that place. I've been blessed with an earthly father who I talk with on a regular basis. He'll call me this afternoon and say, Oh, tell me how things went. How was the attendance? How many people got saved? was this a fresh message or did you just recycle this from some other time how's the money things up you know people vote every week with their he was a board member for years they vote every week with their feet and with their pocketbooks you serving that church right are you traveling too much Are those people in wisconsin getting tired of you yet I mean, he'll ask me all these questions. And he was like, give Tammy the phone. No, I gave Tammy the phone. He said, Is he taking care of you and the girls? And he does his whole deal. If he doesn't, I'll come up there and pull off my belt. And i you know, like, sure you will, Dad. It's my dad. You see, because I realize that I need those people in life, you need those people in life. Who is your Yoda? Who is your guide, your teacher, your mentor, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, whether it's spiritual? Who are those people? Because I can't be that for you. I can be your pastor, but I can't sit down with you on a weekly basis and have coffee. I I would love to, but I can't. Who are those people that will that will will speak into your life? Who are those people that will tell you the way it is? Who are those people that will call you? Because if you will allow that into your life, you'll be better. You'll have a better business. You'll have a better marriage. You'll be a better person. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better Christ follower. And you'll make the journey. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Father, I just thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord.